Lord, this morning I pray and I ask you for the filling of your Holy Spirit so that I may speak your truth in love, with boldness, with passion, with clarity, so that the words that I say today are the words that you want me to communicate to these people. And Lord, please help the hearers here today to be able to hear your voice through your word and to be able to say yes to whatever you are calling them to do. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know if you've thought much about this, but I have a question for you this morning. Have you ever thought about the serious battles that are going around us in this world today? Battles that are going around all the time. Sometimes we see them in the news, but if we're not watching the news, we may not even be aware or thinking about this from day to day or week to week. Many spiritual battles that are going on in our world today. For example, there's a battle of the drug pushers versus the DEA or the Drug Enforcement Administration. There's the battle of the mafia or organized crime. Could be MS-13 is in the news lately versus the FBI. Could be the battle between human traffickers and law enforcement trying to eradicate those crimes. And then the, the daily battle that is going on, not only in the United States, but around the world, uh, the battle of terrorists who would try to impose by force a radical way of life on the rest of the world. And in our own country, the battle between terrorists versus our own homeland security. The interesting thing about these battles is they're the battles that we can see. They're the battles that, we've, that at least we know about. But what about the other kinds of battles? What about the battles that we cannot see? The unseen cosmic war that is going on, a cosmic battle for the souls of men and women who are created in God's image, but they're damaged by sin and we live in this broken world. There's a war going on over our hearts and our minds and it may seem invisible, but God says in his word that this war is no less real. The spiritual warfare is real and it requires us to suit up, to put on our armor, to be able to defend ourselves from these enemy attacks. I want to go first. I, I told you we're going to be in 2 Corinthians 10 and if you want to follow along on the screen, that's great. If you want to look in the Bibles in the pew racks, uh, that's page 1163 or maybe page 805 or 6, depending on the Bible that's out there. Uh, but let's talk about this spiritual war that's going on in the unseen world. Uh, not first by going to 2 Corinthians 10, but we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 6 because it talks about that in detail. Verses 10 and 11, we read about the need to put on our spiritual armor. Paul says these words to the Ephesians. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. We've got to put on the full armor of God so that when we do, we're able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Now, what are the schemes of the devil? Well, that word scheme is a Greek word, methodia. It, it means to act craftily, to act deceptively. And what else would the enemy of our souls, Satan, do? Satan's greatest, greatest weapon that he has against us is Satan's ability to deceive. 
He has the ability sometimes to persuade us, to get us to doubt God, to doubt his word. And instead of of believing God and his word, Satan distracts us, misdirects us, and we start believing his lies instead of the truth of God's word. Paul goes on and he says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not just a human battle with other people. Sometimes we think that, right? Our battle is against so-and-so or this particular person who has a radically different view of life than I do, a radically different value system than I do. And we think, oh, that's our real battle. But behind that, that person with whom we may disagree, there's this unseen spiritual battle. Our struggle's not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. So there's this unseen battle going on. There's a great author of this last century, a great Christian apologist and teacher. He is an Irishman, but he lived in England most of his life. His name is C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis wrote a great book. It's a fictional work. So I, I recommend the book that you read it, but don't read it as if it's fact or if it's a nonfiction. This is a story. This is the idea in C.S. Lewis's mind that if two demons, two servants of the devil were talking to each other and they were trying to figure out how to ruin a human being's life, what would they say to each other? What kind of advice would they give to each other? And in this story, the screw tape letters, there's this junior demon, his name is Wormwood, and he's looking for advice from his uncle, who's a more experienced demon. The uncle's name is Screwtape, and that's why these series of letters back and forth are called the Screwtape Letters. Listen to what Screwtape advises his junior demon. He says, but do remember, the only thing that matters is the extent to which you separate the man from the enemy, the enemy being God. It does not matter how small the sins are, provided that, they, that their cumulative effect is to edge the man away from the light and out into the nothing. Murder is no better than cards if cards can do the trick. Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. Your affectionate uncle, screw tape. How can you lead a man astray with lies, with deceptions, with getting the, the man to turn away from the giver of life, what screw tape would call our enemy, and to edge him away from the light and out into the nothing? So Paul says it this way. Now we go back to 2 Corinthians 10, and we're going to talk about the spiritual warfare going on. We're going to talk about what it means to demolish strongholds that the enemy might have in our life. And so Paul says in verse 3, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So Paul uses this military metaphor here. This word strongholds, it's an allusion to towers, to ramparts, to uh, buttresses that were used in cities in ancient battles. Paul uses strongholds to stand for every argument and every pretension that rears up and contradicts the truth about God, about who God is, about what God is like. For example, you know, we just sang a great song to remind us of God's goodness, 
that the, you know, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. We worship a good, good father. But uh, a, a lie coming in from the enemy might mean, might say to us, you know what? God isn't good. God is a mean, vindictive God. God is a distant lawgiver. God wants nothing more than to give us his laws and to see us fail and then take pleasure in punishing us for our failures. Somebody may have that idea about God, and that is not coming from God. So there, there is the lie that comes in. There is a stronghold that could get uh, root and take root in our life. We have to recognize that stronghold. We have to reject that and remind ourselves that God is personal, that God is love, and that he really is a good, good father. So Paul goes on, and, and I want to rephrase it in a slightly different way because we have the New International Version. There's another translation, the New Living Translation. Sometimes we can grab another nugget of truth as we read a different translation. Look what it says here. It says, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God, and we capture their rebellious thoughts. Think of that word again. Think about all the lies and the deceptions that are out there in the world and, and thinking that instead of letting them come in and take root in our lives and in our hearts and in our minds, we have to recognize them, we have to reject them, and then the Bible says, and we, take, we capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. So here's a question for you this morning. How do you overcome a stronghold in your life? And maybe even a question to, to go before that question is how do you even know if you have a spiritual stronghold in your life? Because sometimes we just think whatever we believe, well, that's true because that's the way we've been taught. That's the way we've learned. Whatever family or culture or church or religious system that we grew up in, this is what we thought about God. It must be true because, some, because somebody I love and respect taught me this, right? How do you know that you even have a stronghold in your life? A lot of us do have a stronghold and we don't even realize it. Discovering a stronghold in our lives takes some discernment. Discernment is the ability to judge between what is right and wrong. And we have to develop discernment as we grow in our relationship with God. We have to figure out what the false idea or value is that runs against the teaching of the Bible. By the way, as an example from Jesus, Jesus uh, shows us what it's like to point out a spiritual stronghold and then to give us the truth of God's word. And he does it, uh, the, the biggest example I can see is in the Sermon on the Mount. Do you remember Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, the first uh, teaching discourse that Jesus does in the Gospel of Matthew? And he begins in, in, in the, the Sermon on the Mount and he starts saying these words. He says, you have heard it said, now, I put, I put the, uh, what you've heard it said in red ink, and the red ink is going to remind us is this is not the truth of God's word. This is the lie from the enemy, and the lie from the enemy, if that's what we believe and it takes root in our lives, that becomes a stronghold in our hearts that we have to recognize, to discern, to battle against, and we have to reject that, that evil thought, and we have to take captive that thought and make it obedient to Christ. Amen? 
So look what the lie is that Jesus points out. Uh, uh, lies that were very much believed by the culture that Jesus was preaching to in his day. Jesus said, you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, Jesus says. So now when he says, I tell you, what he's going to say is, you need to reject that lie from the enemy and you need to believe the truth about God and his word. And so instead of saying, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, Jesus says, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So in other words, instead of saying, well, in this world, you know, there's people in our lives that treat us well and that we love and they believe the same things we do. And as long as they're in my tribe and, and I believe what they believe and they agree with me, then they're my people. They're my neighbors. They're my family. I love them. They love me. But anybody else out there that isn't of our particular tribe, I reject them. I hate them. And, the, and it seems like we have permission to do it. And Jesus says, no, you don't. Because everybody's created in God's image. And we don't have the right to demean anyone just because they are different from us, because God made them all, and God gave them value just because they're a human being made in God's image. And so we have to love them no matter who they are, no matter whether they agree with us or not, no matter whether they have the same viewpoints in life that we do. So Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So there's Jesus taking on a stronghold. And now Jesus brings up another stronghold. He says, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Isn't that kind of the law of revenge? The law of revenge, the law of revenge says, hey, and this is what we do. I do it, we do it when we're driving out on the road. We do it when we're out in the parking lot in the supermarket. We basically say, look, if you treat me well, I'm going to treat you well. You're respectful to me, I'll be respectful to you. You're kind and nice to me, I'll be kind and nice to you. But what happens if you're rude to me? What happens if you cut me off? What happens if you say something mean to me? Well, now the, the, it's not really God's law, it's the law of Hammurabi. It's an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. In other words, you hurt me and now I have the right to hurt you. And if you want a, a living illustration of that, I, re, I point you to Sylvester Stallone and all the Rambo movies, right? I point you to Arnold Schwarzenegger and any time he ever had a family member that was injured or hurt or kidnapped or a friend of his was killed. The minute that happened, all of a sudden, he got the green light to be able to kill, seek, and destroy anybody who was considered his enemy. And everybody in America, all us guys, you know, blood pumping. Yeah, you get him, Arnold. You take on that guy. He was me. You know, he mistreated you and yours. He's going to have to pay for that, right? An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And Jesus confronts that. And he takes on that stronghold and he says, you know, that's not the way life should be. If you're going to be a follower of, of Jesus, instead of saying an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth, you need to have the value of Christ. It says, do not resist. I tell you, Jesus says, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other cheek also. In other words, let those things go. Let those insults go. Pray for those who persecute you. Return. Have you ever heard, seen, read this in 1 Peter? This one will rock your world if you've never read it before. It says, return a blessing for an insult. So Peter even goes beyond that. He says, hey, don't just eat the insult. Don't just say, I can't say anything back because I'm not supposed to. I'm supposed to pray for those who persecute me. I'm supposed to turn the other cheek. You know, and you're, but, but inside you're like, Ugh. And Peter says, you know what? You got to even have a better attitude than that. 
And when they mistreat you, you should bless them. When they insult you, you should return a blessing for an insult. And not sarcastically either, like, God bless you, you know, (laughs) you know. But you know what you mean when you're saying God bless you, right? So we're, Jesus is saying, these are strongholds that are in this society. You've heard it said is the stronghold. But Jesus is coming up with a clear teaching of this is the way to follow God. This is the way God is. Because God reigns on the righteous and the wicked. God is kind to everybody, not just the ones who love him. And you need to be more like Jesus. In fact, what did Jesus say when Jesus was going on the, on the road? He's going down the, the Via Dolorosa on the way to Golgotha, the place of the skull, where he's going to be crucified. What did Jesus even said? He said, Father, he, in fact, the Bible says he kept on saying it over and over again. Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. What an attitude of grace. What a way of returning a blessing for an insult. And what effect did it have on the people? When Jesus died and he bowed his head and he said, into your hands I commit my spirit and he gave up his spirit and he died. The Bible says the Roman centurion that was in charge of that execution, he looked up to Jesus and he saw his life and his attitude, even uh, facing an unjust death and execution. And the Roman centurion says, that man surely was the son of God. That's the kind of effect that acting in in God's way can change around a world and change around in a society. And so I'm going to ask you this morning to put on your thinking cap and pause here and saying, what are the strongholds? What are the strongholds that I may have in my own life and my own value system? Because it says in Proverbs, it says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Whatever you allow repeatedly to occupy your mind, whatever you allow to shape and influence your thoughts, So that over time, what happens, that idea starts to express. That idea becomes who you are. That idea becomes what you value in life. Your mind will absorb and reflect on whatever it is exposed to repeatedly. So here's what's happened. There's no neutral out there. Whatever the events that you attend, whatever the relationships that you build, the conversations you have repeatedly, whatever materials that you read, Whatever music you listen to, whatever media image that you continue to expose yourself to, those become the thoughts that you entertain and ruminate on. I use that word ruminate because it reminds me of the, of the, the word picture that comes from that. Ruminate comes from a word picture of a cow that is chewing the cud. You ever seen a cow out there? I wish my jaw was a little more mobile because I could illustrate. But it's this idea, just taking that cud and mulling it over, over and over and over again. Maybe like an old guy in Appalachia, you know, with his big chaw chewing tobacco. You know, just going over it over and over again, right? Uh, of, of, filling his, of filling your mind with something and letting it percolate and going over there. Over time, those thoughts, those ideas, those images, those philosophies, they will shape your mind, they will shape your values, and eventually, it'll shape your character and your destiny. And so, now I'm going to go to Medlin. So, I'm telling you in advance, here, I'm, I'm going to Medlin. So, what is it that you're putting in your mind and your heart? You look at pornography over time, and you start to see people just as sex objects, not as people who have infinite value and are created in God's image. 
You look at women's fashion magazines all the time, and you start to think that the only beautiful women that are out there are five foot ten and blonde and 115 pounds. And the reality is you're five ten and 115, you're a skeleton. You're not, I, I wouldn't exactly say it's that's beautiful. Look at another one. You listen to, to hard music. You listen to some hard street music like gangster rap over and over again. And how do you start to see the world? You start to see the view that cops are racist, that violence and fighting is what solves your problems. And that's what gives you respect is carrying around a gun. Uh, you start to see that women are toys. You start to believe that money and possessions are the only thing that really matters. You watch enough, here I'm going to go to meddling again. You watch enough modern romantic movies and you think that it's perfectly okay to have sexual relations with somebody that, that whether or not you're married to them doesn't matter as long as you care about each other, as long as there's a spark, as long as there's some mutual feeling between you two. That's what a modern romantic movie will do. And there's, besides that, I, I only mentioned pornography, women's magazines, uh, hard gangsta music, modern romantic movies. I just gave you four examples of ideas that are out there that if we let them in over and over repeatedly, they can come to live and reside in our hearts and in our value system and in our thinking so where that becomes a stronghold. And we're going to have to recognize that. We're going to have to confront that. And the Bible says we're going to have to take captive every rebellious thought and make it obedient to Christ. Because as a person thinks in their heart, so will they become. The more you listen and watch those lies and start to believe them, the more powerful and gripping a stronghold that they become in your life. And we've seen there's lots of demonic strongholds out there. Now, how are we going to defeat those? It's one thing to be able to discern what is a stronghold. And, and okay, there's a, there's a thought, there's an idea, there's a value in my life that I have. And I know it's not godly. I know it's not, it doesn't square up with the truth that's in, that's in the gospel. The only way we're going to defeat a stronghold is by recognizing them, by confronting them, by calling them out, by tearing them down, and then by replacing them with the truth that is in God's word. And so look what Paul says as he continues in verse 5. He says, we demolish arguments. We demolish every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So how do you go about demolishing a stronghold? How do you go about tearing down a false idea of what is real, a false idea that is opposed to God and to his truth. Well, the best way I know to confront something false is to confront it with the truth. Look what Jesus said. He said in John chapter 17, the prayer right before Jesus went to the cross in the upper room with his, with his followers, Jesus said, sanctify them or set them apart to God. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. How are we going to confront the lies of the enemy? With the truth of God's word. 
And so we've got to have God's Word in our lives. In fact, one of the reasons why we give you a daily devotional, and those are back in the back table area starting in the month of September. Why is it so important that we hand out these daily devotionals? Because we want you to be in the truth of God's Word every single day. Because the truth of God's Word is what points us to true north of what is real and right and something worth following and believing. And sometimes the truth of God's word helps us to recognize what is false and what is a deceptive lie of the enemy that he tries to take power over us. And the only power that the enemy can have is when we believe and we start to follow his lies and his deceptions rather than sticking with God and his truth. We need God's word in our lives every day. We need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit works through God's word to confront and to uh, to establish the truth of God in us. We continue to grow and confront these strongholds with prayer. We're staying close to God our Father. We're asking Him to point out if there's anything in our lives, anything that we believe that is not pleasing to Him, that is not in conformity with, with uh, His will for us. And then we have faith. We are going to trust in God. We're going to live out a life that honors Jesus. That's how we're going to change our behavior. To first change that behavior, we got to change the way that we think. we got to be transformed to be changed from the inside out by the renewing of our minds. We've got to learn to replace the wrong thoughts and ideas with the excellent thoughts of God. So here's some steps to help you tear down strongholds in your life. And this are in your bulletin. It's in your program. It's on page one. There's a few fill in the blanks I would love for you to follow along right now. Some steps to help us tear down and break a spiritual stronghold in your life. Number one, you have to know your opponent. You have to know your opponent. And again, remember Paul said, uh, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. So the first thing we have to recognize is our opponent. It's not a family member. It's not our boss. It's not the nasty driver that's on that road. It's not even a gossipy coworker or a family member or a neighbor that's always tearing us down. Our real opponent is the ancient enemy of all humanity. Ever since the fall in the garden, his name is Satan, the devil. Our battle against a stronghold in our lives, it's ultimately spiritual. And thank God, thank God that he gives us weapons to fight this spiritual battle because God says in his word, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Greater is the Holy Spirit that resides in us by faith in Christ than he who is in the world. So we don't have to be governed and owned and controlled by these spiritual strongholds in our lives. We have to know our opponent. We have to recognize that the battle is ultimately spiritual and nothing else. Number two, number two, we need to pray. We need to pray and seek God's help. We've got to ask God and through his Holy Spirit to guide and direct our thoughts, to guide and direct our prayers. We need to use God's word to establish his authority over all of our life, including whatever is the stronghold. Now look what it says in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4 talks about thinking new thoughts, being transformed from the inside out. It uses this illustration of clothing in Ephesians 4. In Ephesians, it says, put off the old self and put on the new self. The imagery is a, is a pair of clothes. The imagery is you've got these old, stinky, worldly, dying uh, decaying clothes that we're wearing that came out of the way we used to think and believe and act 
before we were followers of Jesus. And Paul says, think of it like shedding off an old pair of clothes and putting on a brand new pair of clothes. So he says, put off the old self and put on the new self that is created, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So we're going to take on the new garb, the new uh, threads, so to speak, of being a follower of Jesus, the new truth that comes through God's word. And we're going to let that govern our lives instead of the old clothes of the strongholds that, were, that we were living by before. So we are to know our opponent. We are to pray and seek God's help. Number three, we are to speak and declare the truth. Je Jesus said in John's gospel, chapter eight, Jesus says, if you follow my teachings, do you notice that conditional clause right there? Not, not that everybody does, because a lot of people know about Jesus' teaching. Jesus said, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. To know what Jesus says and what his, his, uh, his commands are, that doesn't do us any good all by themselves. Jesus says, if you follow my teachings, then you are truly my disciples. And he says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. What are, what are some of the declarations of truth from God's word that can actually set us free? Well, here's the truth. You're a child of God. When you put your trust in Jesus, you became a member of God's family. You are a child of God. You have the righteousness of Christ. You don't have to jump on that spiritual treadmill anymore and say, if I just do this enough times, if I just stop doing bad things enough times, then God will love me. Then he will accept me into his kingdom family. We don't have to earn God's love. He already loves us. All we have to do is graciously receive his love and walk in his steps as a family member. So the truth is, you are a child of God. You have the righteousness of Christ. You have the Holy Spirit. You have God's word to help you overcome the stronghold. So God isn't leaving us with no weapons to fight with. You know, it's one thing. I, I, I remember uh, watching this movie about the Battle of Stalingrad. And I remember the beginning of the movie, these poor Russian soldiers, they cross this river and they're, they're now having to battle the Germans to defend the, the city of Stalingrad in the winter of 1942. And the Russian soldiers in the back had no rifles at all. They had no guns, no weapons, no ammo. They, they were, all they had was their soldier's uniform on. And they said, you follow the soldiers in front of you in the battle. And when you see a soldier fall from enemy gunfire, you grab his rifle and you pick it up and you continue the battle. That was, what, that was all they were given. You know, what kind, of a, what kind of a war strategy is that where the soldiers don't even get any weapons to fight with? God is giving us his weapons to fight with. He's given us his word and his Holy Spirit. He's given us the church, the body of Christ. It's one reason why we go to church every weekend because we need to be reminded of what true north is, of where our anchor is, of following God and that you know, th this is the way and that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And we are following him. And we don't go to church regularly. We don't get a daily intake of God's word. If we don't fellowship with other believers in life groups, we can drift. And the other images, the other ideas and philosophies that are out there, they can begin to come in and we start believing the lies and the deceptions of the enemy. So we need all these disciplines to stay on the right path. I remember a great Promise Keepers song from the 1990s. You guys remember what Promise Keepers was? Those of you been around Christendom a while? About 25 years ago, Promise Keepers began this, this ministry in the United States. 
uh, calling out Christian men to be better husbands, to be better fathers, to be true men of God. Not just to be promise makers, because a lot of guys are good promise makers, right? They're liars, they're, dece they're deceivers, but they just promise makers. And he says, don't just be a promise maker. Don't be like the rest of the world. Be a promise keeper. Be somebody who, who loves your wife faithfully. Be somebody who, who is a good father who, to provide, to guide, to be a good example in the lives of your kids so they grow up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Be a promise keeper. And we went to stadiums and we went to these huge men's rallies and we got inspired to be better Christian men. One of the songs that came out, 1995, came from the imagery of Joshua going into the promised land. And one of those worship songs that always fired me up, that always inspired me, it says, be bold, be strong, for the Lord thy God is with you. Be bold, be strong, for the Lord thy God is with you. I am not afraid. I am not dismayed. I will walk in faith and victory. Yes, I will walk in faith and victory. Why? Because the Lord thy God is is with me. Amen? A good worship song can put us on the right path. They can affirm the faith that we have. So speak and declare the truth. And then finally, number four, how are we going to tear down and break a spiritual stronghold in our lives? The fourth step is, is to let your actions catch up to your faith. Let your actions catch up to your faith. You know, that, that's that's actually a, a picture of the reality of, our, of all of our Christian lives because none of us completely lives up to what we say we believe. You know, if we do it badly enough, we get called hypocrites, right? You say one thing, you do another. But the Bible says, let's, let's let our actions catch up to our faith. We start to walk in victory as an overcomer. We let the good habits of our Christian faith form the way that, this, that the bad habits used to form. You know, you realize that, right? Good habits in our lives, they form the same way bad habits do. Habits form by repetition. And if you say somebody like, well, you're telling me I need to get to church every weekend. How do I do that? I'm not, I'm not used to that. I'm used to, I just come up to the weekend and I say, what looks good? What's out there? What kind of activities are there? And I just go wherever I feel like going. No, discipline says, I need to be in the house of God. I need to be in a place of prayer. I need to be in fellowship with other believers every week so that I can remember what true north is, so that I'm not going to allow these strongholds to come in and to creep in and start deceiving me and changing the way that I should believe in my life, following God wholeheartedly. I'm not going to let that creep in there. Paul knows that wherever he goes, wherever Paul preaches the gospel, some are going to hear the good news and believe. And some will not believe the message, right? The Bible says faith comes by hearing. But sometimes when somebody hears the good news about Christ, they're not going to believe the message. And for whatever reason, they've got their thinking. They've got their reaction. I'm not going to follow Jesus because. I'm not going to submit to this Christian life because. I'm not going to uh, lay down my self-will and start following Jesus because of this or that reason. One reason why a lot of people reject the good news message is that they refuse to believe that all people in all cultures at all times, that everyone needs to embrace Jesus as their savior in order to have a right relationship with God. They just can't come to believe that everyone needs Jesus to forgive them 
of their sins so they can begin to follow him. And I will tell you, in fact, I'm going to close with this, one of the greatest strongholds that I believe is out there in this world today. And of the many lies, of the many deceptions of the enemy, I believe this is probably one of the biggest ones. It basically is an idea that says that all religions basically have the same ideas about God, all religions and philosophies, as long as a person believes and practices them sincerely. You know, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere, right? It doesn't matter what a person believes as long as they practice it sincerely, that will lead them eventually to God and heaven. All roads eventually lead to God. That's the idea that's out there. That is what I call one of the greatest strongholds because that is one of the biggest lies that is out there. That is one of the biggest deceptions that is in our world today. And the only way that you overcome a stronghold, the only way that you tear it down and demolish it is you have to confront it with the truth that is in the word of God. Look what the apostle Paul says in Timothy. He says, there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. According to the Apostle John, he says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. We walk in the light because Jesus, the blood of Jesus, God's son, purifies us from all sin. Look what the Apostle Peter says. Back when we were studying the book of Acts in the winter uh, months ago, Peter confronted uh, the Jewish leaders with this truth. He said, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name, no other name other than Jesus under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. The truth is, Jesus is the way. Jesus is able to save completely anyone who comes to God through him. Jesus said, I'm the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So the question for you today, for all of us, is are you ready to reject the religious lies and the strongholds that are out there? Are you, re are you ready to recognize that they are pretensions that have set themselves up against the knowledge of God? Are you ready to take Jesus at his word? Are you ready to put your faith completely and exclusively in him? Jesus gives us a great truth and a promise. He says, whoever hears these words of mine, whoever believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. So here's the truth of what Jesus says. Compare it with every other philosophy and religion that are out there. Who are you going to believe? Who are you going to follow? Which one do you think has the greatest grasp of reality? Are you ready to take Jesus at his word and put your faith completely in him? If you are ready to say yes to Jesus, to following him today, if you're ready to bow your head and to surrender your life to his leadership, then I invite you to pray with me right now. Let's all bow our heads for a word of prayer. And with all of our heads bowed and with our eyes closed, let's go to the Lord. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the way and the truth and the life. Lord, I declare today that I'm going to put my trust completely in you. 
I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe you're the one who came to take away all of our sins. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for making a way for me to be forgiven. Lord Jesus, I, I admit to you, I confess all of my sins, all of my moral foul-ups that I've done in my life. Lord, please forgive me of all that. Lord, set me on the right path and help me to take good steps from today forward. Help me to take good, solid, spiritual steps to following you. Show me the path that I should live. Lord, I declare, I'm telling you today from this day forward, I'm going to follow you all of the days of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for your forgiveness. Thank you for eternal life. And I rejoice in my salvation that I have in you. And I pray all these things in your name. Amen.